Welcome to the Secret of a Successful Life series. Growing in Christ helps us to learn and experience new life adventures that are a blessing to many people. Oscar will be involved in life-changing activities that were answers to many prayers. Rosalind, there are some things I've learned about life, and one of them is that men like to eat. That November before Thanksgiving, Papa and Preacher John kicked off the first men's supper for the men. To be honest, there were some jealous ladies in the church because they were not involved in it. But when Papa said that this was going to be a men's meeting that they would be proud to have Jesus come to, it seemed to quiet the fears of the ladies in the church. Sometimes the fear of the unknown causes people to be jealous and worry about things that never happen. That night, men from several miles around came, obviously for the free food, but also to hear what Papa had to say about keeping good farm records. He told the men, it is hard to know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. He was graceful when he told how his dad had died in a house fire and they lost all of his bank records. Papa could have attacked the banker, but he didn't. I think Mr. Hilner was fearful that he would tell something about the extra bank payments. Actually, many people in the community already knew how shrewd Earl could be, and they had to go along with what he did because he was the banker that loaned them money. The evening was judged to be a great success, and it was decided to have another men's meeting in January. I said earlier that Papa made a difference in his life, our family, the church, and in the community. This is one of the powerful things he was getting started that was making a real difference. People who knew him could see that he really loved the Lord. That love was genuine and not fake. The men's meeting had only been passed a few days when Papa saw Preacher John and presented him with another idea. Hey, Preacher, what are we doing for Christmas Eve this year? Probably the same as we've always done. Nothing. Oscar, what have you got in mind? John, there is not a church in the area that does anything on Christmas Eve. Have you ever gone to a Christmas Eve service? No. Well, I haven't either. But I've read of some churches in other states that have. This is a golden opportunity to do something that no other group in the area is doing. At the same time, we can tell the message of Jesus to people who need to hear it. Oscar, since you are the great organizer, just how do you propose to go about setting up a service like that? John asked. I would suggest that we sell the idea to key people in the church first. You know, the ones that are not going to throw cold water on it the first time they hear it. Just like when I plant a crop, it takes a few days for the plants to start coming up through the ground. After we discuss this with a few folks and get some more involved, what about getting some special music for that evening? 
I read once that the song Silent Night was written in Europe and it was first played on a guitar. Something different has a way of being remembered. I would also think that the time for this service would be important. Since we might have snow on the ground, we might want to make it a 7.30 service. It would be a night to remember. Well, John, you asked how I would organize it, and this is what I'm thinking about so far. Oscar, why don't you pray about this service and plan on setting it up? We have never done something like this before, but this could be the start of something really good. I'm proud of you for thinking about that. Keep up the good work. Christmas Eve was on Friday that year in 1915. When the day came, Papa was at the church building early in the morning, right after the chores were done, to start the wood fires. Rosalind, in those days, it took most of the day for the old wood stoves to warm up a cold building. He wanted everything to go well for that event, and he was willing to pay the extra price to make sure it was a success. While he was getting the building warmed up, he thought how it would be nice to have a bigger building and a good floor furnace in a basement for events like this. The service time came, and people came from miles around. There were young couples with children, even with babes in arms, that were bundled up to brave the night air. Some of the folks drove sleighs, others had bobsleds, and some used buggies. The building was filled to overflowing. Preacher John preached a powerful message about the Lord's coming. The music was inspiring. It truly was a night to remember. The next Sunday, we learned about the Christmas gifts that people in the congregation had received. It was not exactly a surprise when at the end of the church service, John stepped down from the stage and took Neva's hand. After the song, he asked everyone to sit down, and he said that Neva and he had an announcement to make. On Christmas Eve, they were engaged and had decided to be married on February 2nd, 1916, at the Oak Hill Christian Church, which was Neva's home congregation. The engagement of John and Neva really didn't surprise anyone in the church. Both of my parents had predicted this months before, but there was a surprise that no one dreamed of that developed from this. The couple set their wedding date for February 2, 1916. Since John grew up in northern Iowa, he wanted to take his bride to see his home area and meet the rest of his family. John worked the details out to be gone for a few days, with the exception of who was going to fill the pulpit when he was gone. We had some great men in the church who had been in the Lord's church most of their lives, but sometimes they were content to just sit like bumps on a log and not do something that was pretty obvious. When John asked if any of the men would be willing to preach for him, no one was jumping up to say they would. With the time getting close for the wedding, John had other things to think about. One day, he stopped by the farm and said to Papa, Filling the pulpit while I'm gone has left me in a jam. I wrote to the dean of the Bible college in Des Moines to see if he or some other student would come for the next Sunday. It doesn't appear that they have anyone willing or available to come that day. Oscar, this leaves me with a problem. 
I don't know what you would think of it, but would you preach for me while I'm gone? Now, John, I can appreciate your need to find someone to preach. I'm all for you and Neva getting married and going off for a few days. Giving my testimony this spring over at Oak Hill was one thing, but a whole sermon? John, I'm not a preacher. I'm a farmer. What could I talk about that would be helpful for the Lord's church and his kingdom? Now, Oscar, you did quite well in November when you spoke to the men. Well, that was about something that I'd been thinking about for a long time. That subject was important to me. Oscar, what is important to you as a Christian and as a farmer? That might be your subject. How would God use the gifts a good farmer has to take care of his church? You think about it, and I will help any way I can. If it's any help to you, I believe you can do a fine job. John concluded the conversation with, Then I guess you will preach for me? Well, I'm supposed to be prepared in season and out of season to tell about the hope in me. So yes, I will do my best. Don't worry about us. The wedding day came and many of the congregation made the trip to the Little Oak Hill Christian Church. Our congregation loved their preacher and his bride. We looked forward to their joint ministry with us. After the wedding, when John and Neva walked out of the church building, they were given a car ride to the next town to catch the train. Mama heard Papa softly say to himself, Oh Lord, what have I got myself into? You are going to have to help me on Sunday. Papa had taken his life of Christ very seriously and had become quite a Bible student that was going past many of the older people in the church. While he had a lot of spunk, he still needed some confidence. This is where Mama helped him. One evening that week, they were sitting at the table discussing what he should preach about. Finally, Papa stood up and said that he had to check on a cow that was about to have a calf, and he wanted to make sure everything was all right. Before he walked out the door, I heard Mama say, Oscar, that's our sermon subject. What do you mean? I mean, you're going out in the dark to check on a cow that probably is doing just fine, but you have to make sure. Oscar, you are a shepherd. Why don't you write a sermon about how a good farmer is like a good Christian? That farmer will go out in the middle of the night to check on a sow having pigs or check on a cow that might be having a calf. A good Christian should show the same kind of care and concern for people in the church and also for those that do not know the Lord yet. Mary, I think with the Lord's direction, you can help me write a good sermon. I love you for that. John and Eva's wedding was on Wednesday, February 2nd, so by Sunday, the 6th of February, Papa had his sermon fresh off the press. I heard him say he was glad he didn't have to write one every week, but deep down, Mama and I could see that he was enjoying it. He just needed a little help getting his confidence built up. What a message he had to share that Sunday on February 6, 1916. Rosalind, even after all of these years, I can still remember a major part of his first sermon that Sunday. 
When our neighbors who didn't go to church heard that Papa was preaching that Sunday, many of them made a point to come, including Papa's good friend, Fred Williams. There was a large crowd that Sunday. Papa started his sermon with, You know, I'm not a preacher. I am a farmer. But John asked me to preach for him today, and I said I would. Now, what can a Christian who is a farmer say that would help you in your walk with God? Well, actually, since you are farmers also, what helps me can help you. Through the time that I've been a believer, I've noticed some important things in farming that are also important for the Lord's church. So today, since I am a farmer, let me share some comparisons of farming to working in God's church. Years ago, when my parents were still alive and I came to church with them, I would overhear some of the critical people complain about the preacher. They would say things like they were just not getting fed with his sermons and things of that nature. It seems like a popular statement to complain about the preacher saying that they're not getting fed. As a farmer, that statement really bothers me. When I feed my hogs or throw hay over to the cows, I'm making sure that they are getting the food to eat, but it's up to the animal to make the effort to eat what is put out to them. I don't have to go over and grab an ear of corn and put it in the cow's mouth and tell them to start chewing it. The only time we have to make more effort for them is when they are sick or if it is for young animals. Last spring, when we lost a mother hog with a litter of baby pigs, Clara was pretty excited about the idea of bottle feeding the piglets. After having to feed the baby pigs three times a day or more, that became quite a chore. So we had to teach those little pigs how to drink milk from a pan. At first, they didn't like it. But now, since they have grown, they are doing quite well. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, 1-6. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sword gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Now, I am not a preacher. I am a farmer. And these are some comparisons that I have learned and want to guide my life by for the Lord's work. I hope you will do the same. There is some truth to that for the church. Not that we are a group of hogs or cattle, but when we come to the Lord, we need to learn how to feed upon God's word ourselves and not depend on the preacher to spoon feed us. We're not supposed to be weaklings on the verge of death. There's another lesson between farming and working in the Lord's church. We have to check on our livestock often 
to see that they are still there. What kind of farmers would we be if we said, I saw the hogs last week and don't know where they are at now. Why, they might be in the neighbor's garden for all we know. No, we have to make efforts to see if they are still in the pen or lot, make sure they're going to their feed and eating, and see if they're sick or not. We do those kind of things for our hogs and other livestock. God's people deserve to have better treatment than we give our hogs. It is a duty of older Christians to look after new believers in the faith. This is something that will build up the Lord's church. It is important to check on our people. When they have not been in church for a Sunday or two, it is important to see them and care about them. Now you might say, well, that's what we pay the preacher to do. A preacher is only one person. He can't see everyone. Each one of us has a responsibility to care about the congregation. We want to see this church grow and remain strong for generations to come. If we will allow God to work through us, that is exactly what can happen. Let me share another comparison between farming and caring about God's people. Every few months, I hire Cleo Jennings to come with his truck to haul my hogs to market. It sure beats trying to drive them into town like we used to do a few years ago. But sometimes when those hogs are let out of their pens and are walking around the area, we try to load them into the truck. Well, let me say there was a time when I sure didn't want Preacher John to show up when we loaded hogs. Sometimes I would find myself saying things that I used to say before I was a Christian. I'm ashamed of that. I've come a long ways in that area, but still have some growing to develop. Anyway, we have found that there are times when the hogs will move right along toward the truck and onto the truck through the loading ramp. And then there are other times when they want to just slowly walk and look around. If we try to push them too hard, then they will often turn around and run. So there are times when we can push them along, and then there are times when we have to walk slowly behind them and let them accept the ideas on their own timing. This works very well. It seems to me that while we are not hogs, there are some similarities. We might come up with a new idea or read about one in a Christian magazine and think, wow, that works so well in that church, we just have to try it here at Cedar Grove. The idea might work if we have enough time to understand it and not have to push it down our throats. Like I said, I am not a preacher. I'm a farmer. But there are some things we can learn from the animals we raise that the Lord can help us to use to develop His church even more. Papa finished his sermon, and the congregation was greatly impressed with what he had to say. He didn't realize it, but he gave a sermon that Preacher John might not have been able to give. The Lord was able to work in the message that Papa shared. It was a blessing for the entire congregation. Please join us for the upcoming chapters in the Secret of a Successful Life series.